Praise the Lord. We bless the Lord tonight. Amen. For another day he allows to see. Amen. Another day that uh, we can only give thanks. Try our best not to complain, not to murmur, not to bellyache, but say, Lord, we thank you for all things as well as they are, because they could have been a whole lot worse. We bless his name. Amen. Tonight we're going to continue uh, <clears throat> in our study of Colossians. Uh, we're still the first chapter. Amen. Hopefully uh, we'll get through the first chapter tonight. That way we can move right along. Amen. We'll begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We give you the praise, the glory, and the Host Christ, we want to thank you for being God and God all by yourself, knowing that you are the one and true and living God, the God that hears, sees, and knows all. That we can put all our cares and burdens on your shoulders, for you are able to carry them. Go with us in your word tonight, Holy Father. Make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer to declare the word of God and to make it plain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We honor Pastor Morrison. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the work that she's doing and the uh, avenue that she has opened up that her that God's word can be taught. In Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, left off, I believe it was, at verse, we stopped at verse 22 last week, and we're going to uh, pick back up there at 23. But we're just going to back up and read 22 again because verse 22 is part of verse 23. So we can't just jump in verse 23 without getting the uh, the whole picture that goes along with verse 22. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. Before we start... I almost forgot my introduction. Oh, no, no. Let me uh, let me back up a little bit and uh, and begin with a bit of an uh, introduction for you. Okay, I'm reading. I want to read a little bit, a couple of paragraphs from uh, Abraham Cavillas. Abraham Cavilla uh, wrote a manual for preaching, and uh, I like this couple of paragraphs that he describes here. It, uh, help us to. Get us in the right mindset uh, this evening. He was the most brilliant man ever born in the United States. At 18 months of age, he was reading the New York Times. When he turned three, his father taught him the Greek alphabet. He promptly began reading the poet Homer, in Greek, of course. At the same time, he also taught him to read Latin. By the age five, he had written a treatise on anatomy, and by six, he spoke seven languages fluently. At seven years, he passed Harvard Medical School's anatomy exam. At eight, he passed MIT's interest exam, and at nine, Harvard's interest exam. But they judged him too young to enter. They made him wait till he was 11. He graduated from Harvard at 16. While already teaching part-time, his IQ was between 250 and 300. 
bear in mind that Einstein's IQ was only a paltry 200. William Sidus was his name. Amazing, isn't it? That which, uh, uh, that with that kind, with that kind of intelligence, you never heard of him. So brilliant he could conquer any language in one day, one 24-hour day. He died in 1944 at the age of 46. What was he doing? He was working as a minor clerk with menial duties in a New York business office. Sidus had wasted his life pursuing trivia, refusing to accept responsibilities and turning down great opportunities and large salaries, finally to die unknown unheard of. He started well, but he didn't finish strong. That was just an example of somebody that had all the talent, all the God-given abilities to to be great and to do wonderful things for, for humanity, but he squandered it away because he was afraid of the responsibilities. Well, Paul is going to show us that he wasn't afraid of the responsibilities that God called him into. He's going to show us how he tackled them and didn't didn't uh, back away from his responsibilities. And we all can take uh, from his example tonight. Verse 22, 1 Colossians. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Verse 23. If, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now notice how Paul connects verse 22 with, with verse 23 because of verse uh, 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 21, 22, and 23. He uses the pronoun you. So he makes these verses personal to us. How God has reconciled us. And then he goes on into verse 23. He says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith. And what's that if? Is he saying like, if you, is he saying that we're not saved unless we continue? But no, he's not. He, if indeed, is not saying that our salvation is based on an if, but rather it will prove that we are saved if we continue to live a holy life. This if also exposes the false believers. He said, if we continue in the faith, a baby is not full grown until they continue to grow. If they don't grow, then there are some problems there. There are some deficiencies there. There are some issues there. So for another, in order for us to continue to grow into in the full stature of Christ, that Christ uh, desired for us to be, we've got to continue in the faith. That's why the, uh, 
is spoken here in the Valley of Vision. That's why he says, I bring my soul to thee, O God. He says, break it, wound it, bend it, mold it, unmask to me sin's deformity, that I may hate it, abhor it, and flee from it. That's the way we continue in the faith as God begins to work on us, mending us, molding us. We ought to ask him that the Lord deliver us. One writer said, deliver me from the sugar of sin. You know why? Because sin is sweet. Some, yeah. Uh, 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 sin is not all. We're not, well, before we were saved, we were not running from sin. Sin is sweet to us. Your sin is sweet to you. My sin was sweet to me. So on and so forth. It, it tastes good to us. Until God changes gives us a new taste. But not only is it sweet, it is also bitter. It is bitter. The same way that uh, sweet candy, it tastes good. But if you eat enough of it, it'll rot your teeth out. It'll decay your teeth. So we ask that God deliver us from that sugar of sin and give us a new taste and give us a new desire. But it comes through by us continuing in the faith. Notice in verse 22, he says, He will present us holy and blameless. He will do it. We don't, we don't, we don't do it ourselves. He will present us holy and he will present us blameless before himself if we continue in the faith. Because he is able to keep us from stumbling present us faultless before the presence of his own glory. He Only he's able to do that. We can't keep ourselves even if we wanted to be kept. He has to, has to do it. But we have to continue steadfast. Not moved away from the hope of the gospel. See? Not moved away from the hope by false doctrines, false teachings, uh, all these different uh, theories that are out there. Don't, don't let that move you away from the faith. They may look like they're getting along good and, 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 and what they're saying seems to be prospering in the world, seems to be making people successful. Don't, he, don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel because there's only hope in the gospel. Hope is a a positive expectation of the future. Not only in this life, but in the world to come. No other gospel, no other uh, testimony, no other story has that hope that's in the gospel. That's why I said, don't move away from it. So all we have to do is be steadfast to keep on going. Uh, 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 get up to fight another day. Uh, keep on putting one foot in front of the other. And as we continue to do that, we keep, we continue to press after the Lord, He will give us the strength and He will present us holy and blameless. He says, if indeed we continue in the faith, what is the faith? Swindoll said, this faith isn't a general faith, 
isn't the general faith that, that, that you know, that you have. But it's the faith that is the truth about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's the faith that is the truth. A lot of false doctrine at that. Remember, he was uh, fighting against the heretics at the Colossae. A lot of false doctrines. But it's just the truth about Jesus Christ. It's the truth about Jesus Christ. It's the faith which was once and for all handed down to the saints. That's what Jude tells us about in his chapter. It's that faith that was once and for all handed this faith is the only faith where was it handed? It was handed down to the saints. It wasn't handed down, I'm sorry, it wasn't handed down to the Muslims. It wasn't handed down to the uh, uh, Episcopalians. It wasn't handed down to uh, 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 Hinduism. It was handed down to the saints of Jesus Christ. So it's a tradition of of, of uh, apostolic teaching and when I say apostolic teaching I'm not talking about a denominational name I'm not talking about a name on a church I'm talking about the teaching of Christ's apostles the truth that's what he says if you continue in that he will make us blameless and beyond reproach so that's all we have to do continue in God's word and we'll make it we don't have to run just as fast as this one, do the same thing as that one is doing. They may be more successful than you, so it appears. Their ministry may be taking off all over the world. It seems like you're getting nowhere, but we must continue in the place that God has placed us. He's only placed you where he's placed you. He's only placed me where he's placed me. And if we are to be great, if we are to be successful, if we are to be uh, 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 known worldwide, he will put us in the place we're supposed to be, at the right place, in front of the right people, and at the right time. And if not, we have to continue in the small area that we're working in. Because our reward is going to be just as big and just as great as the ones that minister to multiple thousands even as to the one that's ministered to just a few in God's eyes we are all successful as we do his work <clears throat> now moving on to verse 24 and through the rest of the end of the chapter through verse 29 Paul shifts. Now, he begins to talk about his ministry, how he has ministered, and some of the steps that, that he has taken. So I would like to divide up these last few verses into three areas or three traits of true ministry. Three traits of true ministry. There's a lot of ministries out there. There's a lot of ministers out there. Thank God for them. We need them all. But true ministry, Paul lets us know here how he ministered and what he did. And I think they're great examples for us to, uh, to model. The first that he talks about is how he 
joyfully suffered for Christ and his people. That's the first trait of true ministry. Joyfully suffered for Christ and his people. Look what he says in verse 24. He said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on, on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He said he rejoiced in his suffering. He rejoiced. Now, this is not an easy part of ministry. Rejoicing and suffering for Christ and his people. This probably is one, one of the most uh, difficult parts is to uh, be able to joyfully suffer. He's not, he not joying in the fact of the suffering, but the fact that he's suffering for Christ as he's doing the work for Christ and working for Christ's people. That's what he's joyful about. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Now chapter 4 and verses 12 and 13. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 13. Look what he says here. Now this is Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing will happen to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. See, suffering is, is a part of every Christian's life. It's a part of everybody that names the name of Christ. We're going to suffer. We're going to go through testing, trials, and tribulations for the cause of Christ. And we need to make sure that our suffering is not for something that we have done some wrongdoing that we have done, but suffering for Christ's sake. And and there is no getting around it. There is no escaping it. There's no uh, inculcating ourselves from other people, from the world, that we're going to uh, escape suffering. Suffering will find you wherever you're at if you name the name of Christ. That's, that's for everybody. Don't think something strange is happening to you. It goes with the territory. Now, let's look at Second Corinthians. And the suffering that Paul describes here, and then what was described in in, a, uh, in First Peter, that's more so I would call a general suffering that we all go through it as uh, Christians. But here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I call this a higher level of suffering. I call it a higher level of suffering. 
because let me read it. Let's read it. Second Corinthians eleven and twenty-eight. Now, Second Corinthians eleven, Paul here describes his sufferings. We're not going to read them all, but let's just jump up to verse twenty-seven and go down to verse twenty-eight. He says here. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And he's out there in the in the element. Verse twenty-eight. Look what he says here. This is why I call this level of suffering higher level suffering. He said, apart from such external things, he said, there is the daily pressure of me. He said, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Despite all of that external stuff, he was going through no food, no shelter, being beaten. He said, he had this mental pressure his mental anguish and stress because he was concerned about all the, the churches that he that he started and that he was uh, ministering to and that he was helping out. He was he was concerned about that. That's why I said there's a higher level of suffering because everybody's not called to that type of suffering. Everybody's not called to that type of uh pain and anguish. It's more so the ministers and the elders and and, and Christian leadership that call, that's caused the death type of suffering. So, if we were to wanted to go into ministry or into working for Christ, Paul told, hey, if you desire the office of a of deacon, you desire a good work. If you desire the office of a bishop, you desire a good work. He said, those are good desires, but but look at the high level of suffering that they go through. Look at the high level of suffering. Look at the, the, the mental anguish and stress that's laid upon them because of the full concern of the church or churches or saints. Swindoll wrote in his commentary on Colossians, he said, people who enter into the lives of others invest time. And they enter into the lives of others. They invest time. He said, they listen, they care, they weep and they grieve. A ministry is not healthy if those who minister refuse to enter into the suffering on behalf of others. See? What good? What? Well, what good is is, is a ministry if we don't grieve with them? If we don't listen? If we don't care, if we don't weep, or we don't mourn, we don't enter into the sufferings on behalf of others. 
Ministry is not a self-centered affair. It's not something that we go into for fame, glory, pomp. It's a suffering way. And Paul said he took joy in suffering for Christ and his people. So what did he mean when he said that he was a... In verse 24, he said he he shared on behalf of his body, which is uh, the church. He said, filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. What did he mean by that, filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction? Does he mean that, that there was something left undone when Christ suffered on the earth? Was there some part of the suffering that Christ went through on the cross that wasn't fulfilled? No, he's not saying that. What he's saying here is that we all must take our own part in suffering for Christ. You know, because Jesus suffered how he suffered on the cross for our redemption. And that was the greatest in, 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 in the suffering that, that redeemed us. But the church as a whole, we all have a part to suffer for Christ. And when Christ returns and, and, and takes the church back to heaven, all of the suffering will be fulfilled. But until that happens, we have to finish up and fulfill our portion of suffering for Christ. And we must do it alone. I can't bear your suffering, and you can't bear my suffering. You know, we must bear our own suffering. You can tell me about some of the things you're suffering or going through for Christ and I can help pray with you and, and try to encourage you but I can't, I can't bear your suffering. We all must bear our own burdens when it comes to suffering for Christ. Huh? We got to go through it. Just because you tell 25 people it's not going to make it no easier. It may make it uh, harder. Go tell, go tell Jesus. Tell him all about it. He can bear your sufferings and help you bear your sufferings and he give you strength to bear your sufferings. But I can't bear your sufferings. The pastor cannot bear your sufferings. So when we call them all hours of the night or every little thing that comes into our life, they can't take it away from suffering away. Not when you're suffering for Christ. You must bear it alone. one writer said bearing our own suffering is like sanctified affliction sanctified affliction it's affliction that was sent directly for you it's affliction that was, that was, was handmade just for you like a custom made suit a custom made dress oh we got sanctified affliction just for ourselves alone and we must all bear it and go through it if we desire to be profitable ministers for Christ. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12. As Paul uh, uh, directs his protege, Timothy, 
he he lets him know in Second Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter three, and verse twelve. He says, "Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live godly will be persecuted." Bishop Gary, uh, when I, well, he used to call me a minister Morrison uh, back in the day. And uh, when I ministered unto him, he would always ask, he would always ask me, he said, Minister Morrison, can you suffer? He looked me dead and asked, can you suffer? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves tonight when we want to be workers of Christ. Can you suffer? Because if you can't, you never fulfill the call. The second thing Paul tells us in verse 25. Let's read verse 25. He says, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit." so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. I'm going to read that one again. That's a power-packed verse. Let's see if we can unpack it. He said, Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship of God, bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. So the second trait of a true ministry is preaching Christ. The message must be about Christ and his word alone. Preaching Christ. True ministry is about preaching Christ. He said, I was made a minister. It wasn't by his choice. It wasn't my his choice. Huh? There are some, uh, like you said, there are some roles of leadership and there's some uh, positions in the body of Christ that we may desire a good work. But to minister the word of God, he said, God made me. Huh? It can't, it, 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 you know, it came with Paul when he was born. It was already in it. It's like a pair of shoes you buy. You you don't go to the store and you go to buy a pair of shoes. You, you don't say, well, I wonder if those shoes have tongues in them. Of course, every pair of shoes has a tongue. When we're called to minister word of God, we're born with it. Hmm? Remember Saul? Before he became Paul? He wasn't running around trying to be a minister for Christ. God had to knock him off his horse as he was going around to destroy the churches of God. But because he was made a minister of Christ, he couldn't continue in the vein that he was in. Like that old uh, a song that uh, I think it was, uh, I forget his name, but he said, you can run for a long time but the Lord God Almighty is going to cut you down. Huh? You can run for a while. Bishop Gary used to also say, give time, time, and time will walk you down. If God has called you to do a work, that's okay. 
Look at you. You know, and once again, if we remember Saul, but Lord, how how could he be in a ministry of God? The things that he that he did to the church, uh uh-uh. God doesn't God doesn't look at that to as a disqualifier. Oftentimes he uses it uh, uh, to reinforce our ministry. Warts and all. Huh? One of uh, Abraham Lincoln sat down for a portrait one time. And uh, they told him to show his best side. Abraham Lincoln said, there is no best side. This is it. Huh? Warts and all. He picks up and he chooses us. Our defects, our personalities, our imperfections, our wannabes, our likes and dislikes. Hey, he takes it all in and makes it make us into the ministers that he wants us to be. He says it was according to the stewardship from God. See, look at that. According to the stewardship from God, your Bible may say dispensation. You see, it comes from God. See, a stewardship is, you know, when you take a, when you're a steward, you're in charge of your masters or your owners' uh, goods, their food, their money, their clothing, their supplies. You're in charge of that. And it's your responsibility as a steward to properly hand out and to dish out your master's goods to the household. The, the cleaning crew may need some cleaning supplies, so it's your job to properly give them the right amount of cleaning supplies without exhausting all of your master's goods, so forth for the kitchen. So that's your responsibility as a steward. So he, Paul said, I was given uh, the stewardship from God to hand out what? The word of God. So one writer said, Reverend Fawcett said it like this. He was committed to dispense in the house of God, the church, my master's goods. Hmm? So it's not about us promoting ourselves. It's not about how much education we have. It's not about how much money we can raise. It's about dispensing the word of God to the house of God. That's what good stewardship is all about. We have lost our way as a church what it means to be a minister. And I think Paul leaves us a rather good example here where he detailed out to us what he did. Jesus Christ made me a steward. A good word picture, if you need a word picture for the word steward, uh, Remember the scripture where he said, a sower went out to sow seed? Went out. Grabbed a hand, pulled the seeds out of his bag, just sling it out over the, over the land. Some of the ground was in good condition to take the soil. Some of that seed fell on hard ground. Some of it fell on third. But he, he, he didn't, it wasn't his job to go around and inspect the soil. Hey, he just get out the word. Huh? On the hard hearts, on the stiff necks, on the rebellious, he just spread out the word. And 
where the seed falls, that's where it lands. That's the, that's the job of a good steward. That's our job. If we call it stewardship. Just like, just like Peter said. You know, we're, we're, Peter lifted up his voice and said unto them. That's what stewards are called to do. Lift up your voice and say unto them. Say what? Say what thus says the Lord God. Uh, that's what stewards do. We lift our voices, even in the face of stubborn ridicule and rebellion. We say what thus says the word of God. W.E.B. Boyce, he went to uh, one of the uh, historically black colleges, and he had to give a, before he got up, he knew that the speech was going to be uh, not very well received because he was criticizing the, 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 the board members of the college and how they were not teaching the black students the higher intellectual studies. They were just teaching them how to be uh, field hands, how to work in manufacturing, how to work, you know, do those manual labor jobs. But the boys wanted the colleges to teach black students intellectual stuff. Uh, and so before he got up to speak to me, he said he knew it was going to be hard, harsh to receive. But he said, he said, I lifted up my voice and I said unto them. And he continued with his speech, which was not very well received. And they did not call him back. And then at the end of his speech, they told him he was out of line. But he told them the truth. But that's what a steward do. Come hell or high water. You know what else a steward do? A steward gets before people just like Moses. Joshua said. What did Moses and Joshua say? They said, Behold, the good land which the Lord thy God has given thee. They had arms stretched out and they were looking over that good land that the that the Lord thy God has given thee. When we stand to God's people, that's what we're doing. We are that the Lord thy God has given thee. We stand, behold salvation, behold mercy, behold truth, behold peace, behold the good land. That's what a steward do. We don't talk about ourselves our gifts and our abilities and how great we are. Then he goes on to say, that's what he says. He says, I do this while he do he says, for your benefit. For the church's benefit. No matter how, you know, we may think that the Ministers of Christ are not doing us very good. Therefore, I benefit. Therefore, I benefit. The Bible says that this will come a time where there's going to be a famine in the land. And that time is now. Not a famine of bread, not a famine of water, but a famine of hearing the word of God. I'm talking about the direct truth from God. 
If you don't appreciate your pastor, you don't appreciate your bishop, your ministers, your elders, uh, that's giving you out the direct word, keep on living. And, and, and when the day comes where the voice is silent in the land, and, there's, and, and you can hardly get the word of God, you're missing. You didn't realize that they were for your benefit. Then he goes on to say, that I might fully, look what he says, that I might fully carry out. Look at me. He said, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Fully. If you don't do something fully, it must be half done. Well, not all of it. But it ain't over till it's over. It ain't no retiring Christ. I know. It ain't no retiring Christ. Well, I'm going to retire from ministry when I get, you know. He said that I might fully carry out. That I might fully. They say it ain't over to the fat lady seats. Uh, until you, if you call to minister the word of God, you keep on. If you can see. If you got your good mind, I understand, you know, it's an eye failure. You no longer have a good mind. Of course, that God is putting you down then. But if you have the ability to still teach the God's word, you keep on teaching until your chin hits the desk. And then when it's done, it's done. That's fully carrying out the word of God. The preaching. Of the word of God. See? The preaching of the word of God. Not half-heartedly. Not telling stories and sharing. The preaching of the word of God. Don't look at the vessel that God uses. If it's the, if the word of God is coming out, appreciate the word of God. It's the same way as that donkey begin to speak to Baal. Don't, don't study the donkey. The donkey was speaking God's word. The preaching of the word of God. That's what it's all about. How can we fully carry out the preaching of the word of God? How, how is it done? Okay. First Corinthians chapter 4 lets us know one way we can do that. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. First Corinthians the fourth chapter in verse 2 this is so how we can fully carry out the preaching of the word in this case he says moreover you know what does he mean by moreover in other words he says most importantly it is required of stewards that one be found faithful my version reads trustworthy but your King James version reads, "It is required." You see, required. That's that's not a ch- a choice. That's not uh, a made. Uh, it's a must. It's a prerequisite. It is required that stewards be faithful. Huh? Come hell, come high water, a steward is faithful in preaching. And teaching the word of God. That's how he said he could fully do it. Because he didn't stop. He didn't stop until they 
uh, uh, chopped off his head. He didn't stop, but he fully carried out the preaching of God's word. Then also look what he said in Acts 20 and verse 27. Acts 20, verse 27. It's also how he shows us how he fully carried it out. He says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. See? He said, I didn't, I didn't hold back anything. He said, I declared unto you the whole counsel of God. Everything God gave me, I gave it to you. Everything God filled me up with, I poured it out on the church. I poured it out and I gave it to you what God gave to me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the bitter and the sweet, we ate the whole loaf together. He said, I did not shrink from telling you the whole counsel of God. A good minister would tell you the whole counsel of God. That's why you can't get mad when the pastor to say something from the word of God that they hit close to home. They must tell you the whole counsel of God. Not just Martha, don't you weep. Mary, don't you moan. God said, thou shalt not. Such and such person shall not enter the kingdom of God. Huh? Oh, Castle. We were born for this. If you call for this work, you were born for this. Men and women that do this type of work, these are men and women whom the world is not even worthy of. The world is not even worthy of these type of uh, ministers. Not even worthy of them. We'll pay our doctors to take care of our bodies. Oh, we'll pay them. They pretty much write their own salary. Whatever they want, they get. They take care of these physical bodies. But what about the man and the woman that take care of your spiritual soul? See, that body's going to die and go back to the dust. But what about the one that's feeding you and making your spiritual man strong in Christ? We'll pay our dentist to take care of our teeth pretty good. But the one that's giving out the word of God, there's there's hardly even a place to educate them nowadays. When, when, When the pilgrims first came to America, before they filled slave ships, when they first came, the first thing they built, even after they built their homes, the next thing they built was the church, and then they built the seminary or the school to teach the preacher. Nowadays, you can't have find a school that teach the preacher, and if it is a school that teach the preacher, you don't have to have nobody that goes. You know why? Because they don't they don't have to pay them a, a, a livable salary. They can hardly live off such salary that they pay their preachers. So a lot of people are discouraged from spending money to go to seminary to learn how to accurately divide the word of truth and truth. But God will repay. God will repay. Verse twenty six. 
He said, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. What mystery? What mystery? This new thing, I replace the word mystery with this new thing. This new thing that God is doing. Huh? It's a new thing before, like he says, in, in past ages and generations, they didn't know nothing about salvation and, and, and Jesus Christ dying. And so, they didn't know nothing about it. But, but the mystery has been manifested. This new thing that God is doing has been manifested. And another word for manifested is disclosed. It has been disclosed. On the job, when they hire a chief financial officer to be over the finance office, they are required to sign a disclosure statement. And what that disclosure statement is, uh, 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 it, it, it laid, lays out all of their finances, their personal finances. They have to reveal their personal finances to the company so the company can see how well they handle their own finances. And if they don't handle their own financial uh, position well, most likely they won't get the job. They have to disclose it. Open the books. Let me look into your bank account and see how good you have handling your money before I give you charge over billions of dollars. Huh? That's why Donald Trump did not want to disclose his taxes. Huh? Huh? Let me get back on topic now. But he said, Paul said, this mystery has been disclosed. Hey, everybody can look at this mystery now, this new thing that God is doing among us. The same way when God spoke to Samuel, in 1 Samuel 3 and 11, Jesus got there. He said, I would do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hears it shall tingle. Hmm? That's the thing that God does. He makes you, your, both of your ears going to tingle when you hear what I'm going to do. And that's what he has done among us. Verse 27. To whom God willed, see this was God's word, God willed it, to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery, of this disclosure, among the Gentiles. Among who? Among you. Unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. So, replace the word Gentile with your name. Now it says here, let me read it like that. To whom God will to make known what is the richest of the glory of this mystery to Joe Morrison, to David, to Sally, to all the Gentiles. Because at first, we weren't included in the commonwealth of Israel. We weren't included in, 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 in salvation's plan. Salvation was of the Jews. And when they rejected God turned to us Gentiles and included us in it. Oh, what a great mystery it is. It's a mystery to you and to me. What is this mystery? He says, which is Christ in you. See, Christ was in heaven. Christ was among the Jews as he walked on earth. 
33 and a half years. But he said, now Christ is in you, inside of you, embodied in you spiritually, leading you spiritually. He's, he's in you, and it's the hope of glory. Hmm? See that? In us, the hope of glory. So he goes with us. He has become a part of our lives. Uh, it's more than these movies we see where uh, uh, the spirit takes over the body or some uh, satanic. No, no. This is the hope of glory. This is the spirit of God in us, leading us, walking with us, comforting us, praying with us. Uh, he's in us now. We're just as good as the rest of them in God's eyes. We always have been. This, this is the mystery that has been disclosed to us. Verse 28. He said, we proclaim him. We preach him. Jesus. Not ourselves. Not our ministries. But we proclaim him. Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. He said, this is, this is who we preach. We preach him. Jesus Christ. He said, what do we do? We admonish. What does that mean to admonish? That means to warn. That's why the, 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 the ministers of Christ, they, they have to warn you. They have to warn you. Don't go down the road about the scripture says this. Don't, don't do that. The scripture admonish them. Warn them. Let the people know that Jesus Christ is returning one of these days. And if you're not ready, your soul will be lost. We must warn them. The Bible said don't do that. The scripture says you're running into trouble down the road. Just like the story I always tell. I had an old Cadillac and I was going on this trip. And uh, I couldn't get in the trunk unless I used a long neck screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, and I would stick that screwdriver in the in the keyhole of the trunk, and I would turn it, and that would pop the trunk. But I couldn't find my screwdriver, and that's what the, the, the spare tire was in the trunk. And I was going to take a short, about two-hour check, but I couldn't find the screwdriver, so it means I couldn't get to the to the spare if I had a blowout. So, but, but my mother was so insistent that I did not go that school. I said, mother, I'll be fine. I ain't gonna need no. I don't even have no blowout. I don't need. She said, "Don't go nowhere, boy, until I get back." About an hour later, she came back. Well, she had bought a long neck flathead screwdriver. She said, "Here." So, okay, I took off. Everything was fine. Till about it was about you know years ago. It was about a. Uh, Three o'clock in the morning, we was out heading back to Lexington. And Kapow! My tire blew out. What's the first thing I thought about? I thought about that flathead screwdriver. So I grabbed that screwdriver and I was just shaking that screwdriver, thinking of mother. <laughs> and I was just laughing. They said, what you laughing at? I didn't say anything, but I was just shaking the Lord. See? She warned me, don't you go nowhere, you're going to need it. You're going to need this word of God, say. 
Ah, you may not need it today. You may not need it tomorrow. But if God is like, you're going to need this word. It's their job to warn you. Paul said, and we must teach every man. Look, that means to instruct. That means you teach them. Just like we know tonight. We are instructing. We're taking our time in the word of God. Instructing them. The same way they do in school. They teach us how to read. They teach us how to write. And we need those that teach the word of God. The Bible says, Ezra sought in his heart to teach the precepts of God and obey them himself. Then what he said, he said, and to teach every man, everybody, little one, big one, old, the young, the rich, everybody gets taught and they get warned from the word of God. No big eyes and no little youths. And then he adds here, he said, do it with all wisdom. What do you mean by that? Do it with all wisdom. Well, I believe he means teach wisdom on a case-by-case basis. Teach wisdom. Teach the Word of God with wisdom on a case-by-case basis. What you're saying? What I'm saying is, Sister Jones's problem is not going to be your problem. So how we instruct Sister Jones in her situation may be totally different from yours. But the wisdom and the Sophia of God from the Word of God will help us to know how to instruct each and every man according to their particular case. Because we are not cookie-cutter Christians, no matter what. What the saints of yesteryear used to say, bless their hearts, as pastor said Sunday, they did what they could. But now that we have more understanding, more knowledge, we teach the word of God with wisdom, case by case. What God does, there used to be a song that the saints of old used to say, what he done for me, what he done for others, he'll do for me. What God did for you, no, not necessarily so. Just because God worked in that person's life in that way, he's not going to work that exact same way in your life. He may bring you around the east side of the mulberry bush. They came around the west side. Oh, yeah, he'll bring you around it. I, I swear to you tonight that it won't be in the ID way that he brought me around. Teach everyone with all wisdom. We are almost done. Do it all wisdom. Let's look at Second Timothy four and two. Second Timothy four and two. We're pressing on so we can get through this chapter tonight. We don't have much more. Second Timothy four and two says what? I think this verse should be at the mantra of everybody that preaches the word of God. And remember that it's not all preachers and elders. I mean, you might be just a lay person. You still preach the word of God when you witness in such a way. But it's, this should be our mantra. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Oh, yeah. When you hear somebody that's preaching, teaching the word of God, you know whether they're ready or not. 
you know, you can tell whether they were ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. We need patience with people. Great patience. And they're not a small, no, no, he said you're going to need great patience, uh, especially dealing with our people. We need great, great patience. <laughs> and instruction. You can't instruct anybody if you haven't taken time to be instructed yourself. That's why I would admonish everybody that desires to be ministered to God's word to get some higher level teaching and instruction on how to rightly divide the word of truth and truth. And the last and the third trait of a true ministry is depending on his power. Depending on his power. Verse 29, he says, for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which worketh mightily in me. His power. He said, I labor. In other words, he said, I strive. That means to exert oneself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Just like Paul was saying. He's among the great pressure, physically and spiritually and mentally, laboring. He used the word strive. That word means to agonize, to struggle. You're going to agonize in this work. You're going to struggle against spiritual wickedness sometimes. You're going to struggle against your own fleshly wickedness sometimes. You struggle to accomplish a difficult task. This work is no child's plan. Mm-hmm. It's not for the faint of heart. He said, I did it according to his power. Not our own talents, but according to his dunamis, his enabling power. Huh? Will you teach a preacher or share the word of God? Just remember, Christ, God is listening to your preaching. God is listening to your teaching. Huh? Just remember that. Every time you get up, you get on YouTube, you get on Snappy Snap, you get on Chappy Chap, you get on the internet, just remember, God is listening to what you're telling his people. And he's going to hold you accountable for one day. He's going to hold you accountable how you steward out his word. Stop all these lies and all these stories and all these fanciful tales that has no profit that has no profit to man's soul. Tell God's people the truth. The key is to depend on his power. Ask yourself, can you get yourself out the way? Can you push back old self? Hey! long enough for the people to see God. What did Jesus tell, uh, what did the people tell the Lord's disciples? And, and, and all the people wanted to see Jesus, and they was coming from everywhere, and the disciples were holding them back. No, no, they were holding them back. And, 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 and one of the men cried out and said, we would see Jesus. No, but we would see Jesus if you get out the way. That's what's holding a lot of people from seeing Jesus nowadays, because so many ministers, they too busy to yourself in the way. Look at me. 
we should give 100% in our efforts of what we do for Christ. So when we come to the end of our lives, we won't regret the time, the effort, or the money we gave in the cause of Christ. Live life with no regrets. We're done with the first chapter. Pat yourself on the back. We finally made it to chapter one. Father God, we thank you. We give you the praise, glory, and the honor. Bless your saints. Bless the hearers of your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night.